1: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
0: On this episode, part two of my conversation with Pastor Carl Gallup's author of Gods of Ground Zero. He reveals what went down in the Garden of Eden, a profane betrayal that has shaped human history ever since.
2: Jesus said in Luke 17, right before He returns, it's going to be just like it was in the days of Noah. What happened in Noah's day? All flesh was corrupted. How is that? Well, we don't know exactly, maybe sexual, maybe genetic manipulation, but look at our day. CRISPR-Cas9, gene editing, gene splicing, stem cells, making eggs and sperm out of one stem cell, and all these different things that are in the headline news. What's happening? Then we're taking animals and humans, and we're mixing uh, you know, DNA, and we're splicing and gene splicing, just like Jesus said. It would be just like the days of Noah.
0: The Horrible Movie Podcast is a weekly show hosted by Jack Alterman. Jack invites a guest who brings a horrible theater-released movie to dissect. Jack and his guests take you through the highs and lows of the movie and what makes it horrible. New movies, older movies, cult classics, or box office busts. No movie is spared or safe from the Horrible Movie Podcast. It's a fun show with clean language, and it's available through Spreaker.com, Apple Podcasts, StudioDNA.media, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible.
1: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Feeling the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett.
0: Welcome to your Wednesday. Now, I think I mentioned that we were looking at getting three cats three outdoor cats to roam the property here and and keep the vipers and the mice away. And recently I, I had a dream about this and in the dream we were referring to the cats as the three sisters and I didn't know what that meant at the time. And I told the mighty Aphrodite this and she said, well that settles it. We have to get three females and they have to be from the same litter. Uh, And then North and Zach, who are crazy about Greek mythology, mentioned that the three sisters in Greek mythology were also known as the Grey Witches, and they control human fate. So they said, well, now we have to name one of the cats, Clotho. She was the sister that spun the thread of human fate. Lachesis, or Lachesis, I think it's pronounced, who dispensed the thread. And Atropos was the third sister. She cut the thread, which then determined the, the individual's moment of death. And I said, wait a minute, this is all a little too intense. I said, what's wrong with Fluffy and Snowball and Patches? Well, I was booed out of the room, so I'm staying out of it. They can name the cats. The Pastor Carl Gallops is back for part two of our conversation on the Garden of Eden. He lays it all out in his new book, Gods of Ground Zero. Now, did I mention I wrote the foreword? He's going to reveal where the garden is, what the forbidden fruit was, what the profane act of betrayal was, and what Jesus meant when he said in the end times, It will be just like in the days of Noah. All that and more. So, fasten your seatbelts. Carl Gallops is the longtime senior pastor at Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Florida. He's the author of The Magic Man in the Sky, a bestseller. The Rabbi Who Found Messiah, When the Lion Roars, Be Thou Prepared. Gods and Thrones, and his latest, Gods of Ground Zero. Carl Gallops, welcome to part two of our conversation on the Garden of Eden. How are you? Yeah.
2: Thank you. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It truly is ground zero, brother. That's where it all started. That's where it's all going to culminate. And in fact, Jesus even mentioned the Garden of Eden in some of the very last words he spoke while on earth.
0: He mentioned the Garden of Eden. Let's first introduce the yeah. uh, the book once again, uh, The Gods of Ground Zero. We're talking about yep. what happened in the Garden of Eden and how that is the focal point, really, of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Also, the, the focal point of human history, uh, all of the news headlines, everything, all roads lead back to one profane act in the Garden. Uh, in, in part one, we talked about where the Garden was. We talked about... Uh, uh God's heavenly uh, council that w- that that were sort of included in the creation they didn't create uh man or the animals but God was being very inclusive and in when he said let's create man uh, mm-hmm. and and we talked about why the the biblical uh or the 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 story of the Garden of Eden has become sort of a cartoon uh, mm-hmm. it has been a, a, a adjusted and we talked about what this serpent was, not a talking snake. This was Satan, who was God's, uh, he was he was a cherub, part of the cherubim, and he was a, a guard in the throne room, and he was appointed to watch over uh, yeah. a, a God's earthly creation. So, um, where do we pick it up from here? We were talking. oh, you, you well, just mentioned Jesus, and he mentioned the Garden of yes. Eden on the cross.
2: Yes, he did. And let me, before I go there, let me just play off of something you said to just really firm that up, and then that will tie right in to the cross because I think these two things are very important. Because see, here's the here's the problem of what you and I are doing right now. Do you do realize that what you and I are talking about is absolutely foreign to the vast majority of today's church? And, really, and because okay. it's well, yes, because. It has been turned into a children's cartoon. People read Genesis 3. They say, okay, the Bible literally says it was a literal snake with a literal piece of fruit, so we take it literally. That's it. Move on to the next thing. Boom. Now, how do we present this to children? We draw pretty colorful little pictures of a snake wrapped around a tree and a beautiful woman eating an apple, and oh my gosh, God's sending everybody to hell because of that. (laughs) <laughs> and we move on. Right, right? And that's the picture the majority of the church has. But when you connect all of the scriptures and everything that's said about the Garden of Eden and who was in the Garden and what happened in the Garden and the result of it, it becomes a whole different picture. It's the story of humanity. It explains everything that's happening in the world right now. I mean everything. It explains everything that's happening in our lives. Everything. But yet Satan is the fake news. He's the deep state. <laughs> he and his realm. I'm telling you, brother, it's, they've covered it up in the churches. Plus, it is so deep and so dark that even scholars who have seen it and preachers who have seen it, and even though scholars have written about it and, and preachers in seminaries have seen the writings of the scholars, they refuse to bring it to the pulpit and preach it. They refuse to bring it to the Sunday School and Bible Studies and teach it in its depth. Why? Because it speaks to our own sin nature. It speaks to every nasty thing about us, and we don't want to uncover that. We don't want to deal with it. And so the things you and I are talking about are so foreign, and that's why I'm begging your audience, get the book, read it. Everything we're talking about, and I'm just brushing up against dozens of revelations that will knock your socks off. But I didn't pull this stuff out of my back pocket. I connect the scriptural dots from Genesis to Revelation. I bring in the dozens of scholars that have been writing about it. I bring in the Hebrew dictionaries, lexicons, the Greek lexicons. I bring in the modern-day scholars, the classical scholars, the ancient scholars. And I say, "Here's here's what they've seen. And people read my book, and they say, why have I never been told this? Well, first of all, it's been right there in the Word of God for you to discover yourself. But the reason you've never been told is because Satan's done a good deep state fake news job of keeping it covered up, but it's being exposed in these last days. So let's go back to this unbelievable stuff we're talking about. And let me do this. Let me talk. Let me just bolster what you just said about the serpent was not a walking, talking snake, but it was Satan himself. And then let's go straight to what Jesus said. Some of the last words he ever spoke, he spoke of the garden of Eden. This is going to just blow people away. But first, so I mentioned Ezekiel 28. All right, so the t- All right, here's the thing, brother. Walking, talking snake. Okay, I know Genesis 3 seems to present that, but let me just ask you. Is there a walking, talking snake presented anywhere else in the Scriptures?
0: There is not. Nope,
2: nope there is not. Is there a walking, talking snake in literal I know in mythology, maybe, but in literalness that, that has ever been discovered, ever been witnessed, ever been seen, ever been studied scientifically? Nope, there is not. It's stuff of mythology. Okay, well, did Jesus ever mention walking, talking snake? Well, no. Did God ever mention? No. Well, now, that's, that's amazing. If a walking, talking snake caused everybody to go to hell, why did God never mention it again? Why did Jesus never mention it again? Why does the gospel never mention it? Why why do the New Testament documents never mention it? I mean, this is unbelievable because everybody knew in the ancient days it was a metaphor. So now we want to say, well, who was it? What was it? Well, the answer is right there in Scripture in the Old and the New Testament. Let me go to one passage in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 28, and it starts off in verse 12. This is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and beauty. You were in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. Your settings and mountings were made of gold, etc. Verse 14, you were appointed as a guardian cherub. I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. That means the divine assembly. You walked among the fiery stones. That means in the very presence of God. You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created. And then it goes on to say, but I drove you out as a profane thing from the mountain of God I expelled you from the garden you guardian cherub and then he goes on down to say so in the end I will reduce you to ashes on the ground in the sight of everybody all of the nations who knew you will be appalled at you and you have come to a horrible end people say angels can't die yes they can Satan's waiting on the great day of judgment God says I'm going to bring you to an end I'm going to reduce you to ashes who were you were you a walking talking snake? Nope. That's the metaphor. What were you? A guardian cherub. When we get to Ezekiel 10, we discover the cherubim. Ezekiel says, those are the living creatures. When we get to Revelation 4 and 5, John said, behold, I saw four living creatures around the throne. And they were crying, holy, holy, holy. Satan was, Lucifer was a guardian cherub of the throne of God. And he was the most perfect, Ezekiel 28 says, the most beautiful, the the wisest of them all. And God put him as the guardian cherub, that's God's words, not mine, over the whole creation. He made it, and he took his, 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 his right-hand man, if you will, in the divine realm and said, Now, this is yours not to own, not to be a god over, but yours to be the governor of. You're going to guard this. And, and who knows, maybe God says, and now I'm going to do some other creating things. You're going to guard this. This is my place of fellowship right here with these. Now, that's what Ezekiel says. Not a walking, talking snake. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12, I don't have time to give the whole context of it, but it's this beautiful panoramic of all that has happened in the world and, and, and what Satan's whole um, attack on humanity is about. But it goes on to say in verse Four, four uh no excuse me excuse me excuse me here it is verse eight and nine verse nine here it is in revelation 12 and you find this verse and this verse is repeated in revelation 20 it says the great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent all right now stop so the dragon and the serpent are synonymous yeah. how old is the dragon and the serpent he's ancient by that way that word ancient means all the way back to the beginning well, where do we first hear of a serpent in the beginning? Genesis 3. That great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent, watch this, who is Satan. Mm-hmm. That's what it says in go. Revelation twelve nine. who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. That is the divine realm that rebelled with him. How many angels? So we-
0: How many angels? Oh, well, down we, we, we don't know.
2: The Bible doesn't tell us. It it speaks of a third of the stars, and so that I, some people think that means a third of the angels. Well, how many angels in the beginning? We don't know. John, when he was in in heaven in Revelation four to, uh, and five, he said, "I saw ten thousand times ten thousand. What's that? A hundred million or more?" Um, That's quite uh, an army.
0: That's quite an yeah, army. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So, so. So the bottom line is, he's got a myriad of demonic realm with him. Then you come down to Revelation 12, and it talks about the serpent again. It says, from his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away. Well, this is metaphorical. There's no serpent that spews water like a river to knock a woman down. And then it's and then it goes on it says and then the dragon was enraged and went off to make war he spewed out water out of his mouth the earth swallowed the river I mean all of this is a metaphor but 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 it tells a bigger story but it gives us the definition so in Ezekiel 28 God says not a walking talking snake it was an anointed cherubim a living creature and then revelation we get to the end the the greatest revelation of all the book of revelation says And that ancient dragon, that ancient serpent, who is Satan. So that's that's who was in the garden. The Bible tells us it was not a walking, talking snake. It was not a snake that Satan inhabited. It was not a snake that Satan caused to walk. It was not a snake that Satan gave the powers of speech to. It was Satan. The Garden of Eden scenario of Genesis 3 is wrapped in a metaphor. Now, it's a reality. There was a real garden. There was a real fall. There was a real Adam. There was a real Eve. Why do I say that? Because the rest of the scriptures say that. But the snake, the trees, and the eating, they're all metaphors of something deeper and darker. How do I say that? Because the rest of the Bible says that. Now, Now, do you want me to get to what Jesus said
0: On the cross, some of his final words, ever spoken, relate to the Garden of Eden.
2: Yes, here we go, very quickly. And all of this is in my book. You can wrap it, unwrap it in, in great detail. There's three times in the New Testament the word paradise is used, three times, When you look that word up in the Greek lexicon, every one of them, and there are like a dozen scholarly Greek lexicons, every one of them say, this word in the Greek ties to a Hebrew word that is equivalent. Both of them translate in the Hebrew mind to the Garden of Eden. All of the lexicons say this. And it also ties in the phrase bosom of Abraham. We find that in Luke 16, where it says a rich man died and went to the bosom of Abraham. That's a Hebrew idiom that means paradise. The word paradise means the Garden of Eden. As a matter of fact, the word that's translated paradise in Hebrew, wherever you see the word paradise in Hebrew, it comes from the Hebrew word gan, which means garden. The garden. The Garden of Eden. So the three times in the book of Revel—I mean, the, in the New Testament—where the where the word paradise is uttered, the first time I'll save to the last, because that's out of the mouth of Jesus. But the second time is in Second Corinthians 12, where Paul says, "I know a man who was caught up to paradise, to the third heaven." Now he tells us what it is. Now, now that's Paul. Paul's talking of himself. They speak in the third person back in those days. He says, so "I was caught up to paradise." Now the Hebrew mind—he was saying, "Here's what he was saying." I was caught up to the Garden of Eden, to the real Garden of Eden, the one that's guarded by the cherubim. I went into another dimension. He said, Whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. I just know I was caught up to the third heaven. That's another Hebrew idiom that means to the throne room of God. Where is the throne room of God? It's where God put his name. Where did God put his name? On earth, in Eden. Okay? So that's what he's saying. That's what Paul's saying. Now, The last time paradise is used is in Revelation 22, when it's describing the river of life was there, the tree of life, the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven, and said this is the paradise of God. Well, in the Hebrew mind, this is the Garden of Eden of God. God's restoring the garden. See, the Bible begins with the Garden of Eden falling. The Bible ends with the Garden of Eden restored, the restitution of all things. Our divine nature is restored to us. We'll never die. It'll be like it was supposed to be for Adam and Eve. Now, the first time it's used, shocking. Jesus is on the cross. (laughs) You know where I'm going with this? Mm -hmm. One of the thieves looked at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said in the Hebrew mind, this is exactly what he said, according to all the scholars and all the Greek lexicons. Jesus said, today, you will be with me in the Garden of Eden. I mean, brother, the last thing Jesus said, just about. Almost the the last word he spoke to a human, you will be with me in paradise. But the word paradise is equivalent to, in the Hebrew, and in the Hebrew mind, to the Garden of Eden. That thief heard him say, today, you will be with me in the real Garden of Eden. We're going to walk right past this guardian cherubim where God sealed it off because you believed in me. You're now under my blood. I'm taking you to the place where God has put his name and where he designed to fellowship with
0: humanity from the beginning. So is the today. Garden of Eden synonymous with heaven?
2: Yes, it is. It's synonymous with heaven, but heaven also includes the very throne room of God, which was only opened to humanity by the blood of Jesus. The whole book of Hebrews goes to great lengths to tell us that, which is why Pete, why Paul could go up into the presence and say, I went into the third heaven. I went to the throne room. Paul went there 30 years before John the Revelator. Why could Paul go there? See, John, Pete, uh, Paul died in 67 A.D. John went to, to receive the book of Revelation in the throne room of God in 90 A.D. 30 of oh, 20 something years 25 to 30 years before John went there Paul said I was caught up to the garden of eden i was caught up the word up by the way just means through another dimension
1: theoretical physicists say that there is as many as 12 hyper dimensions here are just 3 of them conspiracy unlimited conspiracy unlimited conspiracy unlimited pretty cool huh uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Or something like that. I'll ask Richard later.
0: Carl Gallups, the author of Gods of Ground Zero, is here. At one point, was in the beginning of creation, was the Garden of Eden a physical place here on Earth? And then after yes. the fall, it became, it was in another dimension.
2: In- interdimensional, but it's still physical, it's still real. It's the way that I described the fish at the bottom of the ocean. They don't know seven billion of us exist, right. but if they could come up through the surface of the water, they would see a whole new physical reality that existed around them all the time. Right. Two physical realities side by side, but one of them can't come into the other. That's what the Garden of Eden, guarded by the cherubim, so is all about. So in other words,
0: after the fall, our access to this dimension which contained the Garden of Eden was closed, so we don't see exactly. it, but it's there. Exactly.
2: Exactly, just like the fish at the bottom of the ocean can't see us, but we're here.
0: But but when we say that it was that that it is in Jerusalem, yeah. uh, I mean so That's we're the walking focal point. we're walking through the streets of Jerusalem, we don't realize but right in front of our nose, hidden in another dimension is the Garden of Eden.
2: Exactly. And and again, it's like the fish in the bottom of the ocean. If they could come up through the surface of the water, there it was all along. They were they were it was wrapped around them. All along, they were right there. That's why Jesus looked at the Pharisees. They said, show us the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He said, if you only only understood, the kingdom of heaven is here among you right now. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, he was talking about himself. Well, of course, he was talking about himself, but he was being even more literal than that. All right. where were they standing right in the midst of Jerusalem?
0: We have about 12 13 minutes. I want to talk I want you to talk very briefly about what that fruit was, what the, the the number of trees mentioned in the Garden of Eden and then we'll find out exactly what went down or what we think may have gone down in the garden. Let's start with the fruit. Uh, we, we we're often told it was an apple it wasn't an apple. What did Satan tempt uh, Adam and Eve with this fruit What was it?
2: Yeah, okay. See, again, I could do a three-hour teaching, and so I'm telling your audience, please, 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 please get the book and read it so that all of this will be in context, because I'm going to say some shocking things right now. First of all, let's just ask, since we know this is a metaphor, I mean, we know it is. The Bible tells us that the talking snake is a metaphor. The Bible tells us this is. So we ask ourselves, does the Bible ever present trees and eating fruit and gardens Uh, in it does it ever use that metaphorically speaking in any other way yes it does let me give you a couple of examples let me give you one right out of a song of solomon now what i'm going to read to you comes from a conversation between a husband and a wife but listen to what it says and this may be where we get the idea of the apple the apple tree because it comes out of this but it sounds like it's talking about the garden of eden um but but in the Genesis 3 account, there's nothing about an apple. It just says the fruit. But listen to the Sol- Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 3. Like an apple tree among the trees of the garden is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade and eat his fruit. His fruit is sweet to my taste. Now, that's what the Bible says, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a husband and a wife. And it's a love song about their marriage and about their relationship. She describes her husband as like a tree among other trees in a garden or a forest of trees. And she says, but I delight to sit in his shade, in the shade. And this is metaphoric. Right. It's a metaphor. But, and eat his fruit. And his fruit is sweet to my taste. Now people say, oh, well, what is it? Well, she's speaking of her, her entire relationship, which is intellectual, and physical. Right. It's, 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 she's immersing herself in her husband, and likewise he in her. And and the whole thing is presented as a tree in a garden, and the eating of fruit. Well, oh my gosh! <laughs> you mean you mean it, all right, now watch, listen to Proverbs 30 verse 20. This is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats fruit, wipes her mouth, and says, I've done nothing wrong. Wow. That's almost a description of Eve. And God calls Eve and Adam and Satan before him in, in the garden. And, 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 and it doesn't really say what Eve says, but it says what Adam says. The woman did it. The woman made me do it. You know? And God said, well, I'm holding you accountable. By the way, why? Because in Genesis where it says that, that Satan that Eve ate the fruit, in the same sentence, It says, and Eve ate the fruit, comma, and Adam was with her. Mm -hmm. So they were there. They were there together. Adam wasn't off in some corner, and she went to him with a piece of fruit later and said, hey, look what I found. No, Adam was there. All right, so we get back. So what happened? What happened? What happened? Let me just say, I don't know. Nobody knows the thing that happened because the Bible doesn't tell us. But we do get a hint in Ezekiel 28 when God says, you were in the garden, you were in Eden, you were the perfect, you were perfect in wisdom, you were my guardian cherub, he said, but I cast you out as a profane thing. Now that word profane uh, is translated different ways in different translations. Most translations use the word profane. Some of them say, I drove you out in disgrace, etc., etc. But the word comes from the Hebrew word chalal, chalal. And one of, the, one of the primary definitions, not the only way you can use the word, but one of the primary definitions is To profane an object through sexual perversion. To profane, it says, do not chalal your father's bed by bringing a prostitute to it. Do not chalal your daughter by turning her into a prostitute for the land. It says that in the Old Testament. Over and over the word chalal is used. God says, I'm throwing Satan out because you chalaled the garden, you profaned it. So there's a hint that there might have been something sexual or some kind of manipulation of the sexual functions of the humans, bot, the bodies that had just been created but adam way, and eve would have,
0: both participated that's clear
2: that adam and eve both participated and satan uh, and by the way this was something new i think it was caused curiosity among satan and the rest of the angelic realm and that's why god says you've profaned it you you've profaned everything that's why when god passes out his judgment how does he say satan's judgment's going to come to him somehow it's coming in the same way that he profaned it it's coming through the womb of a woman could have been the sexual sea.
0: it could have been genetic engineering we don't it,
2: know it could have been yeah right. and i tell people this when i say genetic engineering possibly they go what are you talking about said, wait so we so people say well but but you mean you mean that was going on in noah's day it could have been happening from the demonic realm why do you think the demonic realm looks at what we're doing with genetic editing right now richard and says Wow, I didn't know we could do that. (laughs) Look how smart those humans are. No, brother. Some of this evil thinking of how to apply what could be good technology, it's coming from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Ah. It's coming from the demonic realm. Let's talk about those trees.
0: Let's talk about those trees.
2: Okay, so something like that happened in the garden to answer your first question. Something either Either perverted sexually, and I'm not saying Satan had sex with Eve. People say, "Oh, that's what you're saying." I'm I'm only saying what the Bible says. God says, "I'm casting you out as Chalal." So to okay? be clear,
0: so to be clear, Cain is not the spawn of Satan and Eve.
2: No, uh, Genesis four one makes that clear. Okay. It says that that uh, that Eve lay with her wife Adam, and they brought forth a son. Cain, and and Eve, thank God she says, God has given me a man, and so but but let me just say I mean we 've bounced around to so much here that people are just going to be thoroughly confused and I can hear people out there calling me a heretic right now because i haven 't explained myself in some things <laughs> but but i'm just telling you i 'm telling your audience only what the Bible says, and so you get to second peter chapter uh, chapter um, one verse four, and here's what peter's talk here 's what Peter says he says through uh, and he, he means through the blood of Christ, through salvation, God has given us his very great and precious promise, so that through them you may participate once again in the divine nature. That means you're going back to, to, to Eden eventually. You're going to go to paradise. What does that mean, divine nature? Does it mean we're little gods? No, it means we'll never die. It'll be like it was in the beginning from, from God's hand. Watch this. And it says this is how you do it. Having escaped the corruption that is in this world, well, where did that come from? The Garden of Eden. Watch this. Caused by lust. That's what the New Testament says. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, all of the corruption that's in this world is caused by lust. Most translations use the word lust. Some use the word uh, evil desires. It comes from the Greek word epithumia. Every time in the New Testament the word epithumia, the context is through sexual perversion of some sort. Um I, I'm telling you, brother, when you look at Exodus 28 and God says you were chalal, you were profane, you profaned it, that word has sexual connotation, sexual perversion. You go to Second Peter chapter 1, Peter says the whole corrupted mess started with epithumia, with lust, something to do with sexual perversion. You go to Second Corinthians chapter 11, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. What was their problem? Sexual perversion. They had to kick a man out, his whole family, because it says you're having, one man's having uh, sex with his father's wife. Put him out if he will not repent. You've got all that going on, and you've got false teachers. And what does Paul say? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he's speaking to the Corinthian church. Verse 2, I am jealous for you. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Now he's speaking metaphorically of a church. But verse 3, but I'm afraid that just like Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure, pure devotion to Christ. What was Cor- the church at Corinthian's problem? Sexual perversion and listening to false teachers. What was Eve's perversion? Paul said, it was just like your perversion, Corinth. Well, well, sexual perversion and listening to a false message. Right. Now, Satan said, what, yeah.
0: what was Satan promising them in exchange for this profane act?
2: Yes. What did he tempt Wisdom. them with? Knowledge. Knowledge of everything. You'll be like the gods. He says that. Some translations say you'll be like God. Some translations say you'll be like the gods. Why? Because it says you'll be like Elohim. It doesn't say all of the Elohim or the main Elohim. Again, that word deer, is it one deer, two deer? It doesn't say in the Hebrew. So different translations come up with either you'll be like God or you'll be like the gods, and that means the angelic realm. He was tempting them with... You're, you've been created just a little lower than us. By the way, the book of Hebrews says we're created just a little lower than the angels. Psalm says that. Um, and, and, but Satan said, but I can bring you up to our level. You can know everything we know. I can tell you about technology. I can tell you about everything from the divine council. I can tell you how this earth was created. I can give you the molecular details. I was there when God did it. I know what I'm talking about. But you've got to eat my fruit and that means you've got to fellowship with me. You've got to get intimate with me intellectually, maybe physically, maybe maybe genetic engineer. Maybe he was saying you've got to let me run some experiments on you. By the way, think of the whole UFO demonic delusion. Whenever somebody says they've been uh, taken, whenever they had a, 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 a what is it when they're taken into the ship? What's an that abduction. Called? An abduction. An abduction. What is it that almost 98 percent of the time? What is it the so-called aliens do? They do a sexual examination.
0: <laughs> right, 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 Brother, there's talk I'm of telling these, you, talk of alien all human back. hybrids. There's talk of yep. human human alien hybrids. Yes. Yep. It all goes back to the
2: garden. That's what God's word says. That's what all this alien abduction stuff says. That's what the ancient scholars have said. That's what some of the modern scholars are saying. It's what the Hebrew and the Greek language says when you put it in its context and connect all the dots. And that's all I've done with gods and thrones. I don't say anything in gods and thrones that the Bible doesn't say. But I connect the dots and I let people look at what you will not hear preached from pulpits. It's been there all along, brother.
0: Carl, uh, gods and thrones available August the— Sorry, Gods of Ground Zero. Zero. Yeah, see, I've got
2: both of those with (laughs) similar titles. My latest, Gods of Ground Zero, Eden is Zero, uh, Jerusalem is Ground Zero, Gods of Ground Zero. What were you asking me?
0: So, Gods of Ground Zero, available August 24th, I believe?
2: I I think that's correct, yes. Yes, August 24th is available everywhere. Everywhere books are sold.
0: And uh, how do we listen to you on the radio?
2: Yeah, go to my website, carlgallops.com, carlgallops.com. And I'm all over TV and radio, but I have my own radio show called Freedom Friday with Carl Gallup. So on my picture, there's a link that says Freedom Friday Radio. Click on that, and everything is right there. It's all live on on multiple radios uh, over the air, but it's also podcast. It's also streamed live on smartphone and the Internet.
0: Carl, always a delight. Thank you so much for this.
2: It's my pleasure, Richard. It's my honor. Thank you. It's always a delight to be with you, my brother. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Okay, before I say goodnight to the moon over Messenia, I'm going to fill you in on what's in store for episode 106.
1: The spacecraft crashed on the field in a fire. The history of rock and roll is littered with suspicious deaths and the unexplainable. The bodies that were in the spacecraft was in the exact ways as aliens. Lennon, Hendrix, Presley, Jim Morrison. The truth told by the experts and the people there. Revelations that will blow yeah, your no, mind. The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone with Richard Serrett. Listen and subscribe at Apple Podcast and Google Play.
0: Be listening this Friday when I'm joined by author-researcher John Kerner. We'll discuss the assassination of John Kennedy Jr. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now.
1: A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now.